Hi, everyone, and welcome to Television, the podcast, an audio companion to the Television's website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Miles, and I'm the editor here at Television's. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bumble. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I am having a lot of big feelings. Uh-huh. Um, it's been, it's been a weekend. So I'm just going to jump into what we're talking about, which is we're going to talk about my, the show of my heart, Doctor Who, which just celebrated its 60th anniversary this November and did so as I think many of us would choose to do by a copious application of David Tennant. <laughs> so we are here to talk about uh, the three episodes that make up the 60th anniversary sort of trilogy and our contributor, contributor I can see, I'm just in my feelings. I can't even talk. Uh, our contributor, Emma O'Neill Deedle is joining us to have some big feelings with us. Hi, Emma. Hi. I also have big feelings, but maybe not as big as I expected them to be. We'll get into it. Mm. I I had different feelings than I expected to have. Yeah, different feelings. How are you today, Miss Emma? Um, Other than your big feelings. (laughs) I'm very well. Although I have COVID, I'm very well. (laughs) I mean, it's just now it's just like a rite of passage on the show to like accidentally do it. Well, I guess you're doing it on purpose. I did it accidentally. Um, to do, and Annie did it during the tail end of hers. But like we've all done episodes with COVID now. Don't be us. Get your boosters. <laughs> Seriously, we all had our boosters though. Well, you haven't. Go get your boosters. I haven't. I need to go do it. Mm-hmm. Well, Don't get your boosters, and then maybe you'll get a mild, very mild case like me. But even though Emma has COVID, she was like, "No, I must discuss the doctor. I must." So let's discuss the doctor. Yes. Um, so, uh, first of all, let's just back up a tiny little bit to last year, October, where Jodie Whittaker, our 13th Doctor, uh, 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 regenerated into David Tennant, who was last seen um, as the Doctor uh, in the 50th anniversary uh, in 2013 as the 10th Doctor. Um, though... Uh, before that, he had actually stopped being the 10th Doctor in 2009. Um, he, We were all a little confused. We weren't sure if we he had re... If Jodie Whittaker had regenerated into the 10th Doctor, like reverse time, or if this was now the 14th Doctor. Since then, we have been informed that, in fact, David Tennant is also the 14th Doctor as well as being the 10th Doctor. Because I mean, I do think the specials actually make that pretty clear. Yes, they that do. he is yeah. a different doctor. Um, and uh, we now have had three specials with our fourteenth doctor, who is played by the same actor as the tenth doctor, but is a definitely a different doctor. And I would like to know, um, starting with Emma, how you felt about these three specials, just as a sort of an overall emotional reaction. Well. Going into them, I was not so thrilled to have David Tennant back. I liked him when he was the doctor, but he's never been my favorite. And I felt like he was a little bit overused. And I just was, I, I was devastated to see Jodie Whittaker go. I was super excited about shooting Awa being casted. And I was just like, can we fast forward through these specials and, and just get it over with? But the minute the first episode started rolling. I was just so in love with all of the characters. I feel like 14 was such a more likable, interesting doctor than 10. I thought that his friendship with Donna had really progressed and was really fascinating. And I was, I was in it 110% from the first episode back on board. And then was very sad to see David Tennant go again. I feel like I didn't fully appreciate him, uh, until it was a little too late, but. Overall, I thought they were a fun romp. They were both exactly what I expected and not at all what I expected in different ways. Um, And I think that what was really special about them was that at the core of the three episodes, at the core of this three episode epic journey was a friendship, not a romantic relationship, not a familial relationship, a really beautiful, complicated, interesting friendship. And that made me really emotional, and I loved it. Lacey? Um, I think I have to eat a little bit of crow, because <laughs> uh, on this show and other shows, if you also happen to listen to my friend Graham's podcast, uh, Reality Bomb, I have been kind of everywhere over the past year talking about how much I hated this. 
and how much I didn't want this and how much it felt like a weird marketing stunt, which of course it absolutely is a marketing stunt. Like, don't get me wrong. This is, there's a reason that you bring back your most popular actor when you switch streaming services. So (laughs) in that, in that regard, I was right, but I was really, really wrong about David Tennant coming back and about how I thought they were going to sort of deploy David Tennant and what I thought they were going to do with this sort of second version of his his doctor. I was super convinced it was going to be like a, a war doctor or a fugitive doctor situation where it was sort of like a doctor that's kind of set to the side. And I ended up loving that that's not at all what happened, that this doctor, this version of the doctor is definitely part of the main through line and is definitely really important to what we will eventually see with Shooty's Doctor. I have like a lot of technical franchise-based questions about how literally any of this works. <laughs> but um, I loved Tennant coming back. I love uh, him and Catherine Tate together. I love his friendship with Donna. I love the the tiny reunion with Wilf. I love I loved. I loved so much of it because I think I think we don't I don't know. I think it's sort of a done thing like the doctor's really tired and old and weary and ah angst angst. So I think it's really important to remember that like that doesn't have to make the storytelling cynical and I think this the whole thing is just such an uncynical just open-hearted big soppy love letter to this franchise and these characters and the people watching at home and I like I said, we will get to all of my problems that I have with the, the internal logic of this. <laughs> but Russell T. Davies' superpower has always been that he tells stories that make absolutely no sense if you sit down and think about them for like any any amount of time, more than like a couple of minutes. But the emotional beats are so right, like they're so perfect that you don't. You end up not caring about the fact that if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. And I just, I kind of love the idea that like peace is the the greatest adventure of all. Like that really spoke to me. So I loved it and I got soppy about it and I've written many, many words about it, which will be coming to the internet in the days and weeks ahead, but I'm going to miss 14 and part of me can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. I have to say that um, I agree with Lacey that I thought that this was a marketing stunt. Um, That being said, I was... Unlike Lacey, I was 100% here for Tennant's return. Um, I am madly in love with David Tennant. End, end of list. Um, and I love the 10th Doctor. Uh, he's... I, I understand why he is basically the modern reboot version of Tom Baker for a lot of people. Um, I... This didn't do what I expected it to do in a lot of ways. I wanted justice for Donna, and that was the thing that I came in here ready for, and I needed, and I got that. Um, I didn't get it the way I expected to get it, but I did get it. Um, and so, in a way, this this was always going to be exactly what I needed, simply from because it gave me that. Um, and then it gave me more than that, and so it just kept. It was just bonus cookies on top of bonus cookies on top of bonus cookies. Um, that being said, um, I did expect it to, I did expect the 14th Doctor thing to sort of be crap and it to be 10, really. And it wasn't. He really was 14. And I did, I, by the end of the second, the, I have to say, I watched the second episode twice because the first time I watched the second episode, I was just sort of like, what? So I had to watch it a second time. And the second time I watched it, I think I got it a lot better because I had, I, my expectations of what it should have been got out of the way and I actually watched it for what it was. And that really helped, I think. Um, because by the end of the second episode, watching it the second time, I really understood that this was 14 and that he was really a different doctor now and that I really liked him a whole lot better. And that actually, I think that, uh, as Emma said, the thing about that he's a better doctor than 10, that he's a more mature doctor than 10. Really, like, I really felt that. Um, And honestly, like, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm, weirdly, I'm gonna miss 14. Um, But maybe I'm not gonna miss 14 since he's now kind of a forever doctor. (laughs) 
And I think that should bring us to our, um, I, I think that's a really great way that I just accidentally stumbled into to talk about episode by episode. So I'm going to pretend I meant to do that. And let's talk about <laughs> the Starbeast. <laughs> Um, so what did we think about the Star Beast, which was basically, this was, this was sort of David Tennant's return episode where he sort of crashes into, uh, where he sort of crashes into Donna Noble. And I think almost the exact same square that we, uh, that, that, that he crashed into, uh, 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 Rose in, in, in the Christmas special all those years ago. Um, not the Christmas special. He's unconscious in the Christmas special. <laughs> oh, right. He's unconscious in the Christmas special. I, I just, right, right. Sorry. I'm I running call. through the Doctor Who Rolodex in my mind. I, I, I know, know what I'm like, you that's mean, a Christmas, but... inv- Christmas Invasion, which was Tenet's first Christmas special. <laughs> He's unconscious for 75% of it. You're, no, no, you're right. I was thinking of the Christmas special with the Santas and the, and the exploding Santas. Isn't that the same square? That's Christmas Invasion. That's the one with Donna. Or maybe Runaway Bride. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Put, put, <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. I thought that the Star Beast was just good old-fashioned Russell T. Davies fun. I think it was everything that he does best. It was all of the sort of showmanship plus the smaller, quieter family moments. And uh, I just thought that it was kind of exactly what I wanted from him coming back as a showrunner and as a writer. And I loved getting to see old characters come back, even Sylvia. I mean, so I, th- I think Sylvia was the one best served by that episode. She got the best kind of, uh, um, I don't know, just growth. Um, and her relationship with Donna is so, uh, so interesting. But I loved the family. I mean, the family, most of all. It was what really got me about the Star Beast was the family and the meep. I mean, the meep was the meep. perfect. I love the meep. And the fact that it was mostly practical effects unbelievable i was uh, i I love that there's like a like you know there's like a garage somewhere and the meep is just like sleeping in there waiting to come back yes well the (laughs) meep but i i you know i think there's been a lot of interesting discussion since the star beast has come out about the uh representation that rtd is is trying to do for trans people and especially trans kids um in this episode and a lot of queer fans that i know have had wildly positive responses to the episode and and sort of more um uh a little colder responses and i think that it's it's it can be both at once it can the episode the dialogue can be a little clunky and it's a little a little heavy-handed but also it's very uh admirable and powerful that rtd is using this international platform to really take a stand for trans people so that was what i really took away from the episode i thought the character of rose noble is beautiful and she's such a great addition to the show's history i mean in her within herself she carries 60 years of the show's history through her memories that are also the doctor's memories that are also donna's memories i just thought that was really beautiful that the entirety of the show and the entirety of of the history of the show is encapsulated in this young queer trans girl. Um, and I thought the episode was very fun and very touching. Um, I actually wanted to ask you about uh, the character of Shirley M. Bigham. Oh, <laughs> don't get me started on Shirley. I love her. I saw after the episode multiple, um, not tweets, but um, blue sky. What do they call them? Geets? <laughs> Whatever the heck you call them. Um, posts um, of people saying, well, no, I saw her move her legs in the chair. So uh, that was a mistake on the part of the episode. And well, that person's not actually, you know, that the the, the actor isn't actually uh, uh, disabled. And um, I, 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 I thought that was really interesting that like there was an actual disabled actor on screen playing a disabled character and all of these people are like, oh, well, they moved their legs, see? And I was like, seriously? <laughs> Have you met Doctor Who fandom before? I know, but also like... Oh, my goodness. Well, not to skip ahead. Not to skip ahead too far, but I love that the show explicitly addresses that in the third episode um, with uh, what Kate says to uh, to Shirley when she's in her sort of... Uh, <laughs> <Huge state>. Yeah, <laughs> in whatever state she's in. Um, 
you know, I, I think that this is something that uh, RTD is clearly trying to do in this era of Doctor Who is be really intentional about representation and about fixing uh, problems that the show has had in the past uh, in that way. And I think that Ruth Madeley is an incredible actor and they've given her such a great part to sink her teeth into. I think the third episode is really where she shines. She's got a great introduction in the in the first episode, but I love seeing her back. And I think we're going to get more of her, I hope. Um because uh, they put that ramp in the TARDIS and she hasn't used it yet. And I I need to see her go in the TARDIS. Um, but yeah, I thought that it was a really um a really great way to introduce a, a disabled character and and she's amazing. I mean, uh Ruth Madeley is incredible on, on social media. She's been talking about how much it, it means to her to be able to play this part and uh all of these uh little nods to disability and to people's misconceptions about disability that have been um, slid into these episodes in in subtle and not so subtle ways because hey, it's RTD. He's not, he's not always going to be subtle, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I think she's perfect. I love her and I want more of her. Lacey? Uh, oh, wait, this is uh, what am, what am I talking about? about the star beast. What? Meep. Right. Talk about um, the meep. This, the star beast is uh, my favorite. Really? I loved it. Um, I loved everything about it. It is such peak RTD-ness without the sort of lasting franchise confusion <laughs> that uh, is present in the third one. Um, I thought it was I thought it was absolutely everything I, I need a kind of anniversary special to be. It's like drenched in it's drenched in nostalgia. It cleans up one of the franchise's worst mistakes. It introduces some fun new characters. It shows us that 14 is so much more like vulnerable and open emotionally like than his any of the previous doctors have really been I think and which to me felt like a real breath of fresh air after I love Jody but one of my biggest um complaints about the 13th doctor era is how closed off and reactive her doctor is and this is like 180 degrees the other way like one of the first things he says is basically telling Donna and literally everyone else in range that he loves them that they matter to him <laughs> like it's real it's it was so nice it was all just so nice and i love the meep um i don't think the show did a super great job not telegraphing that the meep is evil but i feel like if you know anything at all about <laughs> beep the meep then you already oh, knew that anyway yeah um i mean i think we all saw that, that coming. Was coming yeah but uh i love the meep he's super cute i love that he like weaponizes cuteness Honestly, like this episode is such a great example of what I was talking about before. I have no idea why Donna's not dead. None. Zero. It was some some timey wimeyness about like binary identities and stuff. And sure, whatever. That's great. Like it felt right. Like, and that's what I loved about it. I couldn't tell you why it worked. Like, no sense. Nonsensical. Felt right. Perfect. Um, okay. I can tell you why Donna isn't dead. <laughs> Donna isn't dead because when she gave birth to Rose, half I just of- want you to pause for a second and listen to yourself as you say this because it's going <laughs> to sound insane. Okay. <laughs> just enough of the Dr. Donna passed from her to her offspring that when the when her memories came back, she didn't burn out. That's what. There you go. So that that's doesn't simple. make any sense. That's fine. It doesn't have to. It just meant that we got to see, like, it just meant that we got to see regeneration energy come out of an extra character. And, by the way... It makes no sense. Like I said, it's like the best example I can think of of what I was talking about before, which is that, like, it doesn't have to make sense to matter. No, Like, I felt like all of that matters and was great and perfect emotionally for where the show was and where these characters are. Just don't think about it or you'll give yourself a migraine. No. Um, I... Okay, I have to say that this was, you are correct in that this was probably the 60th anniversary, this is the most 60th anniversary episode of the three episodes. Um, I love a schmoopy anniversary hour. Yes, this was the schmoopy anniversary hour. Um, It got, it, it, as I said, it it's definitely the same square as the Exploding Santas. Um, You have... Uh, Donna, Donna, not knowing who the doctor is, but somehow having a daughter named Rose, who, um, you assume she named. I'm sorry, Tenet's face. Every time some rando was yelling Rose in the street, <laughs> I was just dying. 
and 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 like and and you assume that Donna like subconsciously named her daughter Rose only to discover that no actually Rose picked her own name which in and of itself is a really cool thing um and then you know you have you have a Sean Temple which you still- could also draw parallels to Rose absorb the time vortex maybe the doctor Donna told her to I don't know yeah um like I you- said don't think about it you'll just it'll just hurt your brain yeah, um, I have to say I love Carl Collins. I I, I love I I love the fact that he is, um, in the same way that I love in 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 the Gilded Age that 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 uh that 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 Bertha's husband is like chief wife dude. Yeah, like just love the fact that Sean <laughs> Temple is like chief wife guy. Sean is Sean is just a he's a he's a he stands. Yeah, I did forget one thing. One thing I actually really love about this, and this is this episode specifically is really great at it. Um. And it's one of my favorite things about RTD as sort of a showrunner for this franchise is some of the biggest moments in this episode or the most impactful emotional moments in this episode don't have the doctor in them at all. Nope. Because RTD has always been about Doctor Who is as much about the people around the doctor as it is about the doctor, which is why some of the Lonely God stuff that Moffat gets into later like doesn't super work for me. Um, But I love one of my favorite scenes was that conversation between Donna and Sylvia and it a moves the plot of this episode forward b shows you how much their relationship has grown and matured and evened out in the time since we last saw them together like as the kid as the kids say that's you know that's growth um i thought that was so well done and so quietly impactful in that way that davies is so great at because he cares about the people who are not the doctor as much as he does the doctor possibly more than he does the doctor unless it's david Tennant. yeah I, 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 as, as Emma said, Jacqueline King's character, Sylvia, really gets, like, the best growth arc out of everybody. Um, I, I loved, I loved when Donna goes and sees the meep and goes, oh my god, you need to go on sewing me! Because, you know, I will, I, <laughs> I, I continue my one woman campaign to get the Great British Sewing Bee into America. Um, I, I loved Miriam Margulis doing the voice of the meep. Um, and I just, just loved that. Um, and yeah, I, I loved, I loved the, uh, I loved New Unit. I loved everything about New Unit and, and the introduction of New Unit. Um, I, I think that this was, this really did have like that emotional impact that I was looking for, for a 60th anniversary episode. Um, which is why the first time I watched episode two, I was so confused because I expected all three episodes to have that. And when we got to episode two and we hit Wild Blue Yonder and it was absolutely not that, I was so absolutely thrown. I mean, I think it's a fine episode. It wasn't what I wanted out of this out of this sort of trilogy, if you will. It felt like a really like mid-season kind of bottle episode. Like, I don't know, the one where they get stuck on a submarine or something. Well. Um it is, it is essentially that episode. And it's fine. Like, the episode is really good. I think the emotional dynamics of the episode are great. Uh, it just didn't feel anniversary enough to me. Okay. Um, I could not disagree more. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Emma, go. I, there has never been a better episode. I'm sorry. I think that it was perfect. I've never <laughs> seen an episode of Doctor Who and thought I wouldn't change a thing. This episode, I would not change a thing because I and this is my own personal taste. I I like a big anniversary episode with lots of cameos and callbacks and references references as much as the next person. But it gets very uh, exhausting to me very quickly and it very quickly loses its shine. And I felt like Power of the Doctor was as for Jody's uh, last episode was such a whiz-bang, like, throw every cameo at the wall, throw every reference at the wall, and it was so fun, but I thought, oh my god, I can't watch three more episodes of that. It's, that's too much. And so, the Star Beast was, was good, I really liked it, I thought, like you both said, it was very anniversary, very what I expected, but what I wanted was just the Doctor and Donna. I just wanted to dig into their characters. I mean, I watch Doctor Who for the characters, for these people that I've come to love so much and for their interesting, twisted, complicated, beautiful uh, character relationships. And that's exactly what Wild Blue Yonder gave to me. I have never seen an episode that was more written for me. And it does feel like kind of a mid-season 
episode, probably the best mid-season episode there's ever been, but in a, in a great way, in a, in a way that, you know, these, I think that in, especially in The Giggle, but kind of in The Star Beast also, you lose a little bit of that Doctor Companion dynamic because there's so much else going on and you maybe get moments with them, small conversations with them, but you lose that feeling that you get when you're watching a whole season of them together having their hijinks and uh, having, you know, emotional moments and funny moments and complicated moments. And the uh, Wild Blue Yonder, because it was a whole episode of just the two of them, I felt like we got a season's worth of those kinds of moments, which is what I watched the show for. And I think also people on the internet really thought there were going to be some out there cameos or like, and I just didn't think it, I didn't think that was going to happen and I didn't want that to happen. So I think I was lucky that I didn't suffer from the, you know, the expectations not meeting up with what the episode was. I got exactly what I wanted. I will tell you that one of the best things about Davies as a showrunner is that he loves promotion. Like we have gotten more content about the 60th anniversary, about Shooty's Doctor, about like they're a season, a season from now than we got for most of Jody's run because Chibnall doesn't work like that. But I think that Davies didn't really do himself a lot of favors with the weirdly like draconian, yeah. like we must keep everything about this episode secret because and the thing that happens when they do that is that you run the risk of like the fan theories being more interesting than the thing you put on screen. Nothing could have been more read, interesting read, than what they put on screen. What I they read put this, on screen I read, was perfect. I, I glommed onto it personally. I glommed on. I glommed onto this theory that said while Blue Yonder was going to be set completely like inside the TARDIS, like it was going to like sort of explore inside the TARDIS like they were going to get lost in it That's or something. That's boring. I thought that would have been awesome. No, we don't need to see more of the TARDIS. It's interesting that it's a mystery. Doctor Who needs to keep its mystery. Stop going back to Gallifrey. Stop digging into the Doctor's past. Don't go inside the TARDIS further than you have to. Like, keep the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but I mean, I think, I don't think he did himself any favors right. with the yeah, weird, like, I agree. there were no script, there was, like, barely any promo photos. There was, like, no screener. There was nothing. There was just like, this episode is so secret, we can't talk about it. And I think that is... I understand why people are disappointed because you don't know where to set your expectations. And, I mean, it's the episode is good. Don't get me wrong. I like the episode fine. It just wasn't what I thought it was going to be, which is on me more than the show. But, like, it just... It is what it is a little bit. Yeah. I I have to say that... um. The first time I watched the episode, I landed where Lacey did. This was not what I was expecting. I was expecting 60th anniversary, and this was a weird mid-season, out-of-nowhere bottle episode in the middle of space with a wacky salt thing. All right? And, and, and- <laughs> did it? I, I was like, I, I have to make a small confession. Of this. That is that I watched many, many seasons of Supernatural. <laughs> so the minute we started talking about, like, salt and salt lines and salt circles, I was like, oh, no! <laughs> Um, um, so, uh, yes. I, I, I have to say, like, I thought that, like, the, my arms are too long was fun. Um, Mavity was Did fun. You, I, I don't know how much you guys watch the sort of extra stuff they put out on oh, all YouTube. Of it. But I watch all, all of it. All, I know. It's, it's, A, it's fascinating. The, Disney the practical get the, effects on this season or on these specials? Like, get on the stick, Disney, and put this online because it's incredible. Um, all of that arm stuff was practical effects. Yeah. Yes. Like there are behind the scenes pictures of like tenants sitting around in a chair with like giant arms. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, I I love the fact that uh, we got this Nathaniel Curtis like uh, the uh, thing in the beginning. By the way, Nathaniel Curtis never actually shot with either of them. He did that all by himself on a on a, on a soundstage. They were green screened in. They filmed by themselves. So yeah, he- I mean, everybody make your bingo boards now for who from It's a Sin is going to show up this season. Just like yeah. get that started. <laughs> um, because um, I, I I loved that I loved the Mavity joke I was making Mavity jokes all week. Um, I have to say though, when I watched it the second time, I realized that Emma is actually really right. Um, it is it is a perfect mid season episode. It turns these three little these three episodes into a mini season by sitting there in the middle. And it basically gives, it basically turns, it basically makes this 14 has a season by, by being there. And I love that. And it is actually pretty perfect for a bottle episode. 
And I genuinely, watching it a second time, loved it so much more. Even the thing I hated the first time, which is that he grabbed the wrong Donna. Oh my god! I I, the the second the second time watching the second time through. No, actually, that was good, and I didn't realize it. To in his defense, her answer doesn't make any sense. No, her answer doesn't make any sense. Um, like fake Donna's answer is the correct answer. Yeah, real Donna's answer is what? What? (laughs) Yes. Um. Also. Love. I would pick fake Donna too. Also, um, I, I both times through Bernard Cribbins final scene. Uh, that's the that's the moment that makes the whole episode worth it for me. I mean, all right. rest in peace to a real one, y'all. Yeah. Legend. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, you know how real Bernard Cribbins is. Bernard Cribbins is so real that he supplied the name to write said Fred, who hang I'm too sexy for my shirt. That's how real that man is. Anyway, love, loved that scene. Loved, I, I think, I think that might have been my favorite of the three. Though I have to say, I was maybe not a hundred percent sober when I watched the giggle. So um, I, judging from the text you sent me, <laughs> I can confirm. So yeah. I'm just gonna say that I probably need to rewatch it maybe twice more before I really decide how I feel about it. But I will say I had a whole lot of feelings while watching it. Emma, how about you? <laughs> well, I will say. Le- let's leave our thoughts on the ending stuff to the end. Yeah, and we'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will say that I had Lacey, the problem you had or the problem that a lot of people had with expectations going into Wild Blue Yonder I felt so smug that I didn't have that problem and that it was, you know, I didn't have any expectations and it was perfect and da da da. But I had the same problem with the giggle because I went in, I don't know, I thought that I was reading Russell T. Davies' mind and I thought that it was going to be the most devastating episode ever. I spent all week like prematurely mourning the fact that the doctor and Donna were going to get separated again. I thought Donna was going to die. I made a really emo playlist about it. Like I was... (laughs) <laughs> I was like certain I might need to I might need the link to the email playlist. I'm, I'm gonna need that email playlist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um I was certain that it was gonna devastate me in a really delicious way, like a really beautiful way where like I can't go back and watch the episode for years to come, but it just I I thought that it was gonna be the most beautifully devastating episode. And then it wasn't. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> I wanted to cry. <laughs> and I'm I so cry. sorry that Spice Up Your Life was not devastating enough for no. you. <laughs> I felt so cheated. <laughs> I was like, I was ready to be have real catharsis and be really sad. And instead it was like, la-di-da. <laughs> and, and then the Spice Girl started to play. <laughs> yeah. So that's my main takeaway from the giggle is that it was not what I expected, nor was it what I wanted, but it was fun. So, <laughs> okay. All right, Lacey. Um, I mostly like the giggle because the giggle is like the sort of RTD episode we've seen like a bajillion times. There is an ancient, vaguely indescribable entity that has a long-held grudge against the Doctor who suddenly is on Earth and there are world-ending threatening stakes and they have to like talk it out because they're immortals and blah 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 like we've seen this episode a bunch of times so the actual episode itself is fine um i think it wasted neil patrick harris a little bit i wish oh i thought he was great i thought he had so much i thought he was great i thought he was great but again i had mentally prepared myself for the toy maker to be the villain across all three specials Mm. instead of just one so i feel like we did not get enough time with the toy maker because the toy maker is a badass villain like we need more villains like the toy maker on the show like Deep cut enough that old school people love it. New and weird enough that new people like it. Like, I want more of more of that. I wanted more of that. Except for his dodgy German accent, which came and went very weirdly. <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, I was like, why are we why are we doing this? But uh I thought I always love I always love when we get the in the episodes like this and we get the the moment where the doctor faces off with his ancient and similarly immortal enemy enemy where they basically talk about how old they are. <laughs> 
and how and because I, I think that Davies really understands kind of like the weight of how old the doctor is it's sort of what this whole arc is about like just how long he has been running if you will and and how hard that is for everybody around him to understand no matter how much they love him and yes the uh, my favorite part was where they're talking before they play the first game and you know they're they're saying about how oh shoot i lost my train of thought they're they're talking before they play the first game about you know what it is to be this old to remember things like from before time and when there was just the game or whatever and i love the idea that that even though as the doctor says like the toy maker has turned all of that to the ugliest possible permutation of it like he's causing chaos and ruining lives but when he could do good with it and I just, I don't know. I was really like, it's not like we haven't seen the part before where he's like, no, come play games in the stars with me. We'll be immortals together forever. <laughs> I feel like his doctor has done that virtually every season with some enemy or other, but it's still like really impactful because it's, to me, really hard for other beings to understand what it is to live forever. And at this point, the doctor is essentially going to live forever. So I thought, I thought that whole, like the ancientness of it was fun, but I don't know. I feel like it was it was it was my second favorite. It was good. But it wasn't like groundbreaking. I did love Spice of Your Life. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> it was it great. It was so great. It was in my head for like a solid you know, 12 hours afterwards. Um, let's see. So the thing about this episode, um cuz I had a, a few I had a few complaints about this episode. Um I loved I uh, I loved that Neil Patrick Harris begins to show Donna all the things the doctor won't tell her about his adventures while they were away. Wow, we're just not reacting. We're not mentioning Martha at all in this episode, are we? Sorry, girl. Well, she didn't. The thing about Martha and Yaz, they didn't get a mention because they didn't die. I feel like I wish they had got a mention, but I understand why they didn't. I thought you were going to say, like, I wish they died. No! <laughs> <laughs> Also, I think Martha's coming back. Just saying. But by not mentioning them, it kind of does make it seem like all his companions are just like dead in holes somewhere. But like he's had <laughs> several recently that are fine. And honestly, Amy, this is sorry. This is a pet peeve that I have to mention every time we talk about this. Amy and Rory are fine. Yes. They are just in the past. Yes. They are not dead. Nope. They are just living their lives in the past. Yep. It's a fine ending. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. So uh, A, that. B, uh, the by not mentioning any of Jodie Whittaker's companions, it basically erased the Chris Chibnall arrow, and I found that very irritating. Stop! No, that's not what he's doing. No, it doesn't. It mentions the flux multiple times. Uh, yeah, he's. The, I I've seen the complaints, and I I think out of the three of us, am the big Chibnall fan. And I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that Russell is, is trying to erase it. I think he's, he's taking what's useful from it. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Oh yeah. I think he's, he's mentioned it. He's going to keep moving on from it. It's still canon, but I don't know that we're ever really going to talk about it again. Okay. If you say we're going to interested in the, he seems more interested in the flux than in the timeless child stuff, which I find interesting. Which I don't understand. Why the timeless child is so much more interesting and relevant than the flux? The flux is something that could have happened many times. Like people always get destroyed because of the doctor, and what? (laughs) I hate them both. So. This is a win-win for me. I think the timeless child is going to age really well. Dude, the timeless child had potential, as far as I'm concerned, that got squandered and not used. I think it's going to age really well. I think that we're going to look back on the timeless child as a really, in- like like the time war. I think that it's going to become a really interesting piece of of way back there canon. Whether anybody ever really touches it again or not, I think that the concept of it people will become accustomed to and and not hate it we will it will never be it will never be mentioned again i think it has i think it <laughs> other, had. Than, other than in the sort of offhand way that that rtd appears to be doing yeah because i do think it but i will agree with you that i do think it's weird that the thing he's glommed on to is is the flux yeah. and not Why? the timeless child uh probably because it is like the time war a little bit the time war <sighs> remember, this, this is another thing in technically where we are in this doctor's timeline the time war doesn't exist anymore Yes, yeah, so the doctor needs new trauma. <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, Tenet's doctor's got to have some trauma. It's in the it's in the rules. Okay. Um, 
When I was a kid and I was deep in my Star Trek and Doctor Who phase at the, at the end of the 80s, early beginning of the early 90s, my, my mom used to make fun of me, but I watched these very didactic sci-fi shows. And for a very long time, I was like, you know, whatever. Um, but I have to say that this is probably one of the first times where I really kind of felt like this must have been what it was like for her to like look at the show and be like, what? Because man, this whole like woke, like unsubtle, like cancel culture. I was like cringing. I was like, dude. I mean, I knew. I knew. Honey, honey. This is RTD. It's so This RTD. is not new. This is not new. Uh, maybe it was just because I was not sober, but I was just like, God, stop. No, this is exactly who he is and exactly the kind of stories he tells. It's it's not subtle. Nope, nope. But it's from a good place. So that that annoyed me on like several levels. Um, uh, Other than that, I, I have to say there were a lot of things I really liked about this episode. I really liked uh, the fact that we brought back Mel. Uh, I <gasps> I forgot to mention that I love you, Bonnie Langford. Um, I I where is your unit spinoff? Um, hello. There was an entire scene dedicated to her unit spinoff. I know they didn't build that Avengers Tower set to never use it again. Okay, no, 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 no. That was not back. built. That was okay. I'm sorry. I need to know all about how Tony Stark went broke and had to sell the Avengers Tower to Unit. And I, mean, I know the outside's not real, but like clearly, Unit is just like, hey. We built the show was like, hey, we built this new huge unit headquarters set. Like they should use it for something. And B, unit is now apparently not secret nope. anymore. Nope. I mean, if they had the Avengers Tower sitting in London with unit on it in very large letters on the side, with a big gun on the landing <laughs> pad, like okay. I'm sorry, but Shield never had their little landing pad go up and down like that. Um, I don't know. Was Shield cheap? I've I've questions. Anyway, um, I really like they said they are so setting up for spinoffs in 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 multiple scenes. Also, by the way, we should all take tips from Donna Noble when negotiating our salaries um because that was brilliant um i i highly intend to follow her lead um the next time someone offers me a job because that was i just loved that um i loved neil patrick harris as the toy maker i love the fact the german accent didn't stay i love the fact they took advantage of the fact that he actually has an american accent um that he does a believable british accent that he does a hilarious german accent um I was a little annoyed by Spice Up Your Life. I'm sorry, if you say we're going to go and fight it out 2023 style and start singing songs from twenty from 2002, I mean, seriously, could we just do Dua Lipa? There will be no Spice Girls slander on this show. Okay, but that was all. <laughs> it's not 2023. I just, I just have issues. Look, my roommates and I in college all dressed up as the Spice Girls one year for Halloween, and we made up a dance routine to this song. Yes, but so- that was in the 90s. Possibly the early 2000s. 2000. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> you and I are the same age. I know when you graduated. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I think uh, I think we got to talk about the nonsense. We got to talk about We got to talk about the nonsense. <laughs> Let us talk about the doctor. <laughs> and the doctor. And the fact that we now have a forever doctor. Because David Tennant is never apparently leaving because he did not actually regenerate he bi-generated because apparently um, that's a thing I we just do got, now. The bi-generation is peak rtd <laughs> it is so made up like it is made up clearly so that david Tennant's doctor is still around should himself decide that he's cool with a holiday special or limited <laughs> series or whatever i mean the man has five children they've got to go to college <laughs> like I mean, I'm fine with it, but it's it's so dumb. Like, it's just dumb. It's dumb in a peak Russell T. Davies way, but it's like, this doesn't make any sense. It's so clearly, like, we did this so we didn't have to, like, say goodbye to this doctor again and he's available for other things. Like, it's stupid. And you just kind of got to accept that it's stupid. I will say that I love that we got to see so much of Shooty in this episode because normally in regeneration episodes, they only pop up for like the last 20 seconds and say one line. And I loved him. I thought he was so good instantly. Like, so that part was really awesome. But the concept of bi-regeneration is just dumb as hell. I, well, I have to say, my- I also... Oh, hold on, Emma. I just want to say before, yeah. before, before you speak, I love the fact we saw so much of him too. Um, but I do hope that eventually he finds a pair of pants. 
I don't. I don't know if you've been seeing seeing any of the photos from the upcoming season seasons. Uh, he has an extensive wardrobe. He has an extensive wardrobe. But, like oh, cosplayers yeah. are living. Okay, but I, I, I was just like, I, I was like, are those tiny whities? No, no, no. Okay, we're gonna get a lot of gratuitous shots that let us know that those are actually boxer briefs. Anyway. <laughs> Emma, my issue. I have no issue with uh, Russell T Davies writing things that make no sense, adding things to the canon. I love to mess around with the Doctor Who canon. I think nothing matters and everything matters and it's fine and I don't care. I did feel like. It was, for me as a viewer, sort of externally from the story, it was difficult to know, like, where to put my attention. I felt like it wasn't the best introduction he could have given to Shurigawa's doctor because I was like, what's going on? Who's the doctor? Who am I paying attention to? And it, I, I was having a hard time seeing both of them as the doctor at once. It was like one or the other. And it was, it just was sort of messing with my brain in a way that I, I wish that the 15th Doctor had gotten his own introduction where it's really all the focus is on him. And I'm hoping that he kind of gets a a reintroduction like that uh, in the Christmas episode because it was so, and I was so concerned, again, going back to my uh, fears that Donna was going to get killed or they were going to get horribly separated. I was still so worried about what's going to happen to Donna? What's going on here? Are they going to have, you know, the, the, how is this going to end? Cause I was still so stuck in the 14 and Donna story. I had a hard time pivoting. It's not a super, it's not a super clean break. Yeah. And because it's not a break. It's not a break. It's an, it's a yes. and Right. And I like, I, I don't have a problem with it like canonically, but I did have a problem with it as a viewer. It just was, I don't know. It, it just didn't feel entirely fair to the 15th doctor. I totally, I totally hear you. And I don't disagree. My thing is that, I, do, I mean, I know if if you're hardcore like us, you've probably gone and read a bunch of the an- or watched a bunch of the ancillary mati- material to this episode, which kind of explains like Russell's thinking about <gasps> what regeneration is and what happens when they regenerate. Russell needs to close his mouth. Like he likes to over explain. Because the, pro- the problem is, the problem is, is that 96% of people are never going to see that. And they're only going to see what's on screen. So if it's not on screen, it doesn't count. And on screen, they do a really poor job of explaining it. And I can absolutely see somebody, I can absolutely see the argument that I've seen some people make that it feels like Shooty's Shooty's doctor is like a weird clone, that Shooty's doctor is not the real doctor, that Shooty's doctor is not clearly the next in line from Tenet's doctor. Like, I, it's not, the lines are not drawn in in a way that I find super satisfying. And I, I get people's complaints i don't share them but i can totally understand how people feel that way like to me he felt like the doctor instantly i have absolutely no idea how this means in terms of like where we are in the regeneration oh line. my god like, i can't even 14, think about like, it <laughs> well right like when 14 conks it out like when his body eventually like dies from i don't know old age or whatever like what happens like like does he does he die can he die like, does he regenerate when he dies? I mean, we already have a one heart version of it. We have an we already have a one heart version of him wandering around with Rose in a different world. So, in like, Pete's world, I've I've been making this joke for for twelve hours now. But at this point, there are so many David Tennant doctors that I think we have to start questioning whether Crowley on Good Omens is secretly like a Satan pit variant. <laughs> I'm just saying. I it's mean, a valid question. It, it is a valid it's not, question. The odds of it are not zero at this point. There's so many of them. Mm-hmm. But I, I like. I just don't think it's super clear because, like, they literally clone the TARDIS. Like, who got the real TARDIS? Apparently, like, apparently, RT has said that it is confirmed in a later episode that Shooty gets the real TARDIS. Okay, if it's on screen, then I'm fine with it. But like, there's so much of this that you have to sort of like read in secondary material or kind of like I know or kind of like make up in your own head that I can absolutely see why it's not satisfying for people I really liked it I thought Shooty was such a great presence immediately I can't see I mean I'm thrilled with him he did feel like the doctor immediately like I love him I can't wait to see what his doctor does I just don't I don't know I kind of maybe I agree with you a little bit more than I thought that it feel like feels like something got taken away from him a little bit, but it didn't. But it kind of did. I don't. Yeah, I definitely see both sides. I mean, I I, and I think I'll I'll look at it differently both on a rewatch and after seeing more of Shooty's 
first season and his his Christmas special because he is the doctor. I mean, I I haven't He got the Doctor Who magazine cover that says he <laughs> is the doctor. He's the doctor. I haven't been around for that many doctor introductions. Like I started watching the show when a lot of the modern doctors had already happened, so I like knew already they already felt like the doctor because they had already been the doctor before I started watching. So, but I've never I think with Capaldi and Jody and 14 even, uh, David Tennant 2, 3, whatever, they didn't, I didn't immediately feel like they were the Doctor when they were cast. I was like, oh, we'll see, like, watch the first episode, I'm not sure. But Shooty, I mean, when he was cast, every interview he's given, every little clip that I've seen of him, he just is the Doctor. And he did really uh, embody that in, in that episode, which is why I just felt like, my attention is being pulled in two different directions because I love 14. I I newly realized that I love the 14th Doctor and I've been so waiting for Shudigawa and he was so exactly what I wanted him to be. I mean, he's just like, incredible. he's perfect. I, I can't wait for more. I just want more of him. Um, I think the moment for me that I knew that he was the Doctor and that he really truly established over Tennant that he was the doctor was when he hugged him. Oh. That moment, that. that moment is the moment when I was like, "There's no question here." Like I was like, "Yes, the the whole ball game thing." Yes, I can see the confusion because there is a moment because they are they are working as equals at that point, and so yes, he does feel a little confusing, and he does almost sort of feel like they're cheating because they've sort of bi-generated, so there's two of them again, and so it's two on one. And so it's sort of, like, the whole thing just doesn't quite, I, I would agree that that sort of feels muddled. And also, the filming of that ball game felt a little, like, I didn't feel like the the shooting of it was clean. Like, it felt a little bit like one, some one of those fight scenes where you're not exactly sure... Oh my god, there's some great behind-the-scenes video of, like, 54-year-old David Tennant out here doing, like, jumping somersaults and stuff. I can't even stand up without my back hurting. Like, drop <laughs> okay. your exercise routine, man. Okay, I'm just saying, like, I felt like that was not shot cleanly enough that it was it was hard to follow. It felt muddy. So I can see where, like, that scene sort of feels confusing. But when that was done, and they were finished with that, and... And 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 fourteen is sort of like starting to collapse a little bit because he's so tired, and 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 and, and relatable. And and fifteen's just like <laughs> come here and just hugs him. And I was just like, no, no, the the, the mantle's been passed. Whatever mm. Tenet is now, he is a he is a remnant. I'm making a face that none of you could see because I like disagree. I disagree with the idea that Tenet's fourteen is somehow lesser. I think Tenet's fourteen has just made a different choice. Um, hmm. uh, can I just also say rehab out of order is so convenient. Like, I I just yeah, that is con- so convenient for the show to let let someone else go do rehab off stage while like rehab has already happened for the person on stage. Anyway, um, it is kind of hilarious. They yes. they by generate they split their clothes and they also split their trauma. And yeah, <laughs> fourteen gets to keep it all. Well, right, because see, the, actually, Emma, that's a great point, because this is another thing that I've been thinking about, about terms of, like, where they fall and kind of, like, who's first, who's second, who's regenerating, like, who, where they are in, like, the track of, like, the Doctor's arc, because they've split everything else. Like, what part, like, are they both the Doctor? I mean, I guess. Well, I think there was, I think there was a line, and again, there's been so much said outside of the episode by Russell and, and David Tennant. It's, it's very confusing. Which I get, I get it. Russell loves to explain, but it's like it's unnecessary. Like, yeah, but I, I think there was a line. Like, make it, if it doesn't work on the show, then the problem's the show. Not your explanation, not your explanation of it afterward. I think there was a line in the episode, either said by 15 or by Donna, that like, you're healing so that I can, so that, so that 15 can be who he is. Um, I think the implication is that 14 deals with his stuff and then somehow <laughs> that has made 15 sort of like a clean slate. Yeah, this is, a, I'm like, does he just die and like nothing? Like, does he regenerate? And that 15 is he, 15 is healed because 14 has done the work. But, like, 14 hasn't done the work yet. Well, he will. <laughs> well, yeah, but 15 already exists. This is why I can't think about this. I can't think about it. It doesn't make any sense. Just don't think too hard about it. <laughs> right. 
Right, right. It's like the Russell. Rule. I think what matters Russell is Rule. that is that fifteen is a clean slate, and he'll get brand new trauma, and that's exciting. But he can sort of like because it has, like I said earlier, it's there's been too much like bring back Galifrey, destroy Galifrey, time war, everybody's dead, nobody's dead, the flux. Like I, it's all too much to even hold in my head as a viewer. So I do like the idea of a mostly clean slate where fifteen can sort of shunt that trauma onto uh his former self and and be a, a kind of fresh uh person i do lo- i will tell you my favorite part about the episode is i love um and it's super cheesy but the show does super cheesy like so well i just love the idea that like the happy ending is the great adventure oh yeah like that, that like that pe- like that peace like allowing you allowing yourself to to find that like that is the real that is the real adventure and I think that's I think that's beautiful. I was annoyed by that initially. I just thought it's out of character. It's not. It's too, it's too weird. I feel like this isn't really the show. But the more I've thought about it since, I totally agree with you, Lacey. I love it. And honestly, I do actually, the more I have thought about this, and um, one of the issues that we have had with Doctor Who spinoffs is that um, and this has been true of Torchwood, and this was true of Class, and this was true of all of the spinoffs that 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 RTD tried to do back before spinoffs were a thing, is that it always felt like you were waiting around for the Doctor to show up. Well, now Tennant's here, and he's got his blue box, and he's hanging out on Earth at Unit. We don't have to wait for him. There's one there. No, no, don't bring him. Stop. Let him let him stay at home. Don't bring him back, please. Guys, it, Emma, I hate to tell you, this is Disney. Have you watched anything they've done with Star Wars? They will 100% absolutely try to do like a tenant I thing. I hate, if, if Doctor Who becomes, if Doctor Who becomes Star Wars, Marvel, whatever, I will be so upset. I, do, I don't like this kind of trotting out the references and the cameos and da da da. I hate it. Two, two things, two things. Okay. One thing. To Lacey. Ty Tennant does not need David Tennant to be working. He's making House of the Dragon money. <laughs> Two. He has four other kids besides Ty. Okay, I'm very young. Saying. Yeah. Oh my god, there's a super adorable behind the scene vi- scenes video of him walking his his like little Estater around okay. the TARDIS and my heart. Okay. Oh my god. Two to Emma. Disney does not actually have the rights to Doctor Who. Sony does. All right. I Sony know, has but... 51% and the BBC has 49%. Disney only has the rights to stream it. Okay. There will not be a TARDIS hotel like Star Wars Hotel. <laughs> but okay? RTD so clearly wants to do what Marvel uh, has done. He's, RTD, this is, that's RTD's dream. It yeah. always has been. Okay. Is, to, is to sort of franchise out Doctor Who. And now he's going to have the money to do it. And I'm not mad about it. I just hope that... Um, I'm mad about it. I'll stay mad. I hope he makes good choices. I would watch a unit spinoff, like, in a heartbeat, is all I'm saying. To, to be fair, um, I am a person who went to the Star Wars Hotel and actually did the Galaxy <laughs> Cruise. And if there were a TARDIS Hotel, my husband and I would 100% go. And we would 100% go and find the swimming pool in the TARDIS and we would post pictures. So I am going to, I, I mean, I'm guilty, all right? I'm not even gonna lie. Um, that being said, that's not going to happen because the BBC still owns 49% and they won't allow it. Um, I, I, the, that all being said, though, I do believe that one of the reasons that David Tennant's doctor is a forever doctor is so there can be a TARDIS in unit the way that the third doctor had a TARDIS in unit and that David Tennant can do cameos and that no. they can, <laughs> and that there can be a David Tennant limited series and no. that there can be and yes absolutely my friend absolutely I don't want it I think it, he's got he's got a bunch of other stuff to do so it's going to be a while but I, th- I, I, we will revisit fourteen. I feel and, very, and, I'm, no. and I believe, I believe in my soul. I believe in my soul that if Jenna Coleman and Maisie Williams' careers do not take off, and they would sign to do a diner spinoff, a diner Tartar spinoff, that we would get that too. Okay, so just, just don't even okay because RTD would take I, I all think- of them. <laughs> I th- the, I'm I'm choosing it to look at it in a positive way that the the Hooniverse, since they've stolen the name from the fans, 
is wide open. And I think there's a lot of stories that you can tell in it that don't have to involve the doctor. That's that's what I would like. I would like spinoffs, but not doctor focused spinoffs. I mean, I wouldn't mind it if it was like, uh, did anybody else watch uh, Tales from the TARDIS? Yes. I know they haven't brought it to America yet, but VPN. Um, <laughs> I think that's really I think that kind of stuff is really sweet. Yeah. And I don't mind that at all. First of all, the reason that has not been brought to America is because that is not a Sony produced, that is a BBC produced, and Disney did not sign for those. So Disney is not bringing those over. Um, And that is part of the problem, that Disney only signed for the Sony produced, so that is part of the reason why those are not coming over. Things that are BBC-led are not part of that contract. That's a separate thing that we could maybe get through AMC or BritBox, um, which are still... Still exists, guys. Let's not forget. That's where you can find all of your other Doctor Who stuff if you wanted to. Also, HBO Max has second run rights. I just buy the seasons on DVD because I don't a, I don't have the time to keep up with wherever they're streaming Doctor Who right now. And I don't trust them. So I just buy them. Physical media is still where it's at. And don't forget that Max has second run rights of all the new Who or the the, the current Who. So everything up to the end of Jodie Whittaker's run is also streaming on Max. Um, now that I have like gone on my little streaming soapbox, <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> uh, I don't know. We're we're really over time, so maybe we just do a quick round of of uh, what we think about uh shooty shooty's first episode will be at christmas um apparently there will be goblins that sing i don't know I, rtd is just a journey um as we head into the i'm gonna call him the 15th doctor like disney can do whatever they want as we head into the 15th doctor era how are we feeling i'm i'm feeling thrilled i'm so excited for him i think that the bit that we got to see of him in the giggle shows that he is just an unabashedly queer doctor, which is really beautiful and exciting. He's, uh, I think, going to be really unlike any doctor we've ever seen. We In the trailer that they showed for the uh, Christmas special, he's dancing at the club. Like, the I, doctor I just, is in his club era. <laughs> I just have no idea what to expect from him. And I am so excited. I love Shudi I... I have been a huge fan of his for a long time, and I can't wait to see more. Lacey? Oh, um, I am super excited. I think that he is just an incredible actor. I think he just nailed feeling like the Doctor from like his first moments on screen. Um, I'm obsessed with the trailer for the Christmas special. Like It looks so fun. We're just going to not talk about the singing goblins nope. part, because nope. I don't even know. <laughs> um, Apparently they've like put the song on Spotify or something. I don't know. We will not be listening to that. But um, I love his whole vibe, like the doctors in his club era. I loved like the couple of scenes we got to see with him and Millie Gibson. They feel really awesome together already to me. I just, I can't wait. And I'm so excited that I only have to wait like two weeks. Let's keep this up, guys. I, I have to say that I am extremely excited for season one of New Who. Um, <laughs> we already have New Who. They have to come up with a different name for it if they're going to do that. New New Who is one through 13. I'm sorry. Or, or nine through 13. I'm so sorry. Classic Who is one through eight. I am very excited. Actually, for- technically, I guess Classic Who is one through seven. Then there's Paul McGann. Then there's New Who. I am very excited for season 41 of Doctor Who. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And I am very excited for the 15th Doctor. Um, And I'm very excited for the Christmas special. And I am super here for Goblin Stinging, okay? And if it's got a nice club beat to it and we can dance to it, it will be played (laughs) on Christmas Day in my house. Um, and also I am very, very, very here for the new companion. I am here for the new doctor. I am here for season 14. Let it come in January, please. Oh, and I am really, really, really here for it playing on Disney Plus without commercials. I mean, I think that for me was maybe the biggest revelation because for a really long time, I'd always watched it uh, with screeners or VPN and when then I'd watched it with my husband downstairs and just sort of put up with the commercial breaks and being able to watch it downstairs on the big TV with no commercials without having to have like my the, the big the big watermarks all over it. Oh, a new era. <laughs> um, I just didn't fully admit that I would VPN and watch it on iPlayer uh, instead of dealing with commercials because 
I don't know who was doing the commercial edits for like American viewing, but oh, they just literally awful. were like, "It's been it's been twenty minutes. We're just putting a commercial here. Are they in the middle of a sentence? Who cares?" Yeah. Um, I really love that we're day and dating it now, finally, uh-huh. and I am excited to spend my Christmas afternoon um watching the Doctor. Yeah, gotta say, like anyone who was worried about Disney Plus uh, streaming Doctor Who, I will say that the one thing that was much more of an upgrade than even I had assumed it would be. So, uh, is that our show? Do does anybody have any final thoughts? Um. Long live the doctor, guys. I'm excited. Let's do this. Um, yeah, that's our show. Doctor Who is now streaming on Disney Plus. And I don't know. It's the show of my heart. It's so stupid and I love it so much. <laughs> so let's go. Uh Emma, tell the people where they can find more of your thoughts on Doctor Who and other things on uh, the internet. You can find me on threads now at Emma O D twenty two. And I write for televisions on occasion. Woohoo! Girl, you're Instagram famous. Well, if you oh, want to yeah. see my face, you can follow Weta TV FM and learn about uh, Washington, D.C., uh, local history, arts, and culture. There we go. Ooh. Annie, you're up. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle basically everywhere. I'm at Annie Bundle on Blue Sky. I'm at Annie Bundle on Threads. I'm at Annie Bundle, oh, I don't know, just about everywhere. Um, all the other, like, socials that aren't actually taking off even though they desperately want to um yeah i'm a the associate editor here at televisions and i also freelance around the web um when i have my stuff together and actually remember to pitch people um other than that yeah i uh uh yeah just basically like i don't know google me um email me at televisions uh something 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 follow me find me something Huzzah. Uh, I am Lacey MB on all the social platforms of every stripe, including Threads, Blue Sky, and some of the ones that have already come and gone. Like, anybody remember Post? Yeah, I'm on there. Wait, Post? And <laughs> I forgot Post. about Post. You don't remember Post? No, I forgot there about so, Post. There, there was a point where we had like 17 different Twitter alternatives, and I'm on all of them at Lacey MB. <laughs> so come be my friend on your platform of choice. And if you don't want any of that, you can follow the site and the pod on Facebook at Television's blog, all one word. Or just come to the site directly at televisions.org and read all our news, recaps, thoughts on things, listicles. I don't know. I had a lot more thoughts about Doctor Who that you all can go check out there. Uh, If you like what we do, click the donate button up top. Help us keep doing it. And we appreciate all of you. I'm trying to keep this short because I know we are way over time. But thank you as always for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we will see you next week.